0: Rise and shine, Africa! Africa! na
1: Good morning, and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, and we're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We are on the frequencies seven two three zero kilohertz on the forty one meter band to southern Africa, and on one five two double five kilohertz on the nineteen meter band to far west Africa as well as DSTV's audio bouquet, Channel 802. I'm Lulu Gabu, in studio with Anne Musa, Tabisolo Hoko, and Fili Lilingwati. In our st- top stories on Africa, Rise and Shine at the Sour, South, African par- South Africa's parties begin final push to woo voters ahead of municipal election. Concerns over the detention of children in conflict-affected areas and South African police rescue 57 children traffic from Malawi. In economics, Djibouti joins Africa Finance Corporation. And in sports news, University of Pretoria bids farewell to South African Olympians. The first up the news with Anne Moussa.
2: A very good morning to you, I'm Anne Mussam. Police have arrested the leader of Zimbabwe's war veterans after they accused President Robert Mugabe of dictatorial behaviour. Douglas Mahia, spokesperson for the War Veterans Association, was arrested on Wednesday in Harare. Secretary General of Zimbabwe Human Rights Association, Victor Matamadanda's whereabouts are also currently unknown. He was taken from his home after being summoned by police for questioning. The veterans of Zimbabwe's 1970s independence war, who have previously been loyal Mugabe supporters, issued a statement this week denouncing him. Human rights experts have called for an end to police impunity in Kenya. A group of international human rights experts has expressed concern over what it sees as an ongoing pattern of extrajudicial killings in the country. The three UN special rapporteurs are urging the government of Kenya to stem out police violence and ensure perpetrators are held to account. DNP reports.
3: They said the recent murders of well-known lawyer Willy Kimani, his client and their driver was the latest high-profile case in a long list of enforced disappearances and extrajudicial killings in Kenya. Mr. Kemani was renowned for his work with a group that fights police brutality, according to the experts. His client, Josephat Muenda had filed a complaint with the policing oversight body after a police officer shot at him while at a traffic stop following an incident this past April. Their bodies, together with that of taxi driver Joseph Muiruri, were found in a river on the 1st of July. Four police officers have been charged in connection with the crime.
2: The case against the South African twin brothers arrested on terrorism allegations resumes in the Johannesburg Magistrates Court. It was postponed following their lawyer's application challenging the legality of their detention. The brothers are accused of planning to detonate explosives at a U.S. mission and at Jewish owned institutions in South Africa's Gauteng province. Orisane Sitole reports.
4: Brandon Lee and Tony Lee Tulsi were expected to apply for bail in the Johannesburg Magistrates' Court. However, the bail application did not get underway. Their lawyer maintains that the two were arrested unlawfully. The matter has been postponed several times this week to allow the state time to consult the officers involved in the twins' arrest. The state will now have to prove to the court that the pair are lawfully in custody.
2: Hillary Clinton has formally accepted the Democratic Party's nomination for president and promptly laid out a progressive version of an America she hopes to lead for the next four years as the first woman nominee of a major political party in the country's 240-year history. The veteran public servant has served as First Lady, a Senator and Secretary of State. Clinton spoke of of an America facing a moment of reckoning as she drew strong contrasts with her Republican rival, Donald Trump. Trump, Shewin Bryce Beast reports.
3: It was a long time coming and a historic
5: night in Philadelphia as the Democratic Party followed the election of its first black president by moving to have a woman replace Barack Obama in the White House. This was Hillary Clinton's crowning achievement. After a failed presidential bid in 2008, success came the second time around eight year wait. She said it was with humility and boundless confidence in America's promise, then peppering her vision of the country with pointed criticism of her Republican rival, Donald Trump's bombast and bigotry. That promise to be a president for all Americans, Democrats, Republicans and independents if elected on November 8th.
2: And finally, South Africa's Communications Minister Faith Mutambi has dismissed concerns that censorship has been implemented at the South African Broadcasting Corporation. She was addressing addressing a community newspaper breakfast meeting. Mutambi reiterated that the public broadcast informs and educates people as compared to mainstream media. She says she doesn't understand why there has been a hype about alleged censorship at the SABC.
3: I don't know what do you mean by censorship. I've been arguing that to say what do you mean by censorship? I'll take a critical a typical example of the opponent <coughs> media house to the SAPC. You check the narrative throughout there's something negative about what this government is doing. It's the negative and this is the propaganda that you are feeding our people to believe that there's nothing that is happening in the co- in the country. Then you look at it vis a vis the SAPC's mandate to inform educate, and entertain.
2: And that's the news headlines at 8.30 Central African Time.
0: Africa, rise and shine. Africa, zorga. Africa, amuka na unai.
1: Thank you. And let's go back in time today on this Friday, July the 29th, the 211th day of 2016, with 155 days left in the year. In 1986, South Africa's President P.W. Borta rejects British Foreign Secretary's plea for unconditional release of African National Congress leader Nelson Mandela. That was Today in History in the year 1986.
0: Africa rise and shine. Africa, Zora. Africa, Amka, Na Unai.
1: South Africa's ruling ANC is confident of its prospects come August 3rd. This is the message as leaders prepare for the final election campaigns with the Siang rally at Ellis Park Stadium in Johannesburg this Sunday. It will be a show of force, with the party streaming it live at four other venues in Gauteng and the Free State Provinces. Leaders continue to crisscross the country to campaign for the party. Angela Bulano has more.
6: The ANC is fighting to retain control and its biggest fight is in the metros. Gauteng has pulled out all the stops to win the hearts and minds of residents in Tswani, Johannesburg and ekuru Provincial Chairperson Paul Mashatile says not only are they confident that they will retain the metros, but they are also gunning for Midval, which is currently the only municipality in Gauteng under the
4: DA. That we will retain all 10 municipalities currently under the control of the ANC. And are working hard to also win midval. Our volunteers, members, supporters and sympathizers are energized, highly motivated and are ready to go to the polls on the 3rd of August to deliver a decisive victory for the African National Congress.
6: As it campaigns for support, it has had to deal with internal battles. It again reiterated that former President Tabumbeki is a member in good standing and it is his right to campaign or not for the party. It also had to deal with the violence that erupted following the announcement of Toko Didiz as the mayoral candidate for Tswani. But the party says it has since recovered, as provincial treasurer Ntumbi Miho explains.
7: We are happy
3: that uh, even in Tswani the campaign has picked uh, our uh, 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 Volunteers are highly energized, highly motivated, and uh, we are certain uh, of uh, victory uh, even in Florida. We have been uh, following up a number of uh, uh, surveys, including the Ipsos, which uh, is uh, uh, was on uh, uh, public uh, media. We have also been doing our own analysis.
6: More national leaders continue to flock into Nelson Mandela Bay as it tries to keep control of the municipality as the DA pushes to risk control. Trapat Alliance partners are also lending a hand as ACP General Secretary Blade Nzimande.
8: The places that I've gone to, people support the ANC. And that's a sense I get possibly with the majority of the people in this city despite the fact that there are issues and problems that they are raising, but they still believe it's only the ANC that can solve those. They are very determined to go out and vote, even in difficult areas in the informal settlements. They know that there are plans, but the problem is why are some of those plans delayed? And there they need to be more transparency on how those plans are going to be implemented.
6: Although the parachuting of the mayoral candidate, Denis Jordan caused a rift in the local ANC branches there, Mbalula insists that campaigning went ahead and the party's decision to deploy Chotan will pay off.
9: In Port Elizabeth, it's not immune from the rest of the country in relation to mayoral, I mean, uh, councillors' nomination and all of that. We are single-minded about what needs to happen. The centre holds. Uh, our membership I've have, have understood that uh, all what may arise as the sentiment of dissent from within will be addressed by the organisations.
6: Meanwhile, Deputy President Cyril Ramaphosa was on door-to-door in PAL in the Western Cape. He says the political killings that have marred the elections are an attempt to destabilise the ANC. Our
8: people want... A peaceful election and they want to make sure that the
10: people that they have identified as their candidates are the ones who should go and work for them now a slaughterhouse has been opened where
8: candidates are now being slaughtered mercilessly and it's quite clear that there is a program there's an agenda and we want the police to stop this with immediate effect and it.
6: ANC NEC member Nkosazana Tlamine Zuma led thousands of ANC Women's League members and religious organizations in Durban in a peace walk followed by a prayer session to curb the spate of political killings. Tlamine Zuma says communities have an important role to play.
3: The government alone cannot deal with these social ills. Communities must be part of it. Even the killings, there is nobody who can do all these things and we can say nobody saw anything. So, communities must really cooperate, work together with the police, with government to deal with this. And it should be an ongoing campaign, it shouldn't just be a once off.
6: The crisscrossing of the country will culminate with the Siangoba or we are winning rally at the Ellis Park precinct. Despite the low turnout at the manifesto launch, the ANC is determined to end the election campaign on a high. It's not giving numbers of how many people it expects to attend the rally, but it says it will fill the precinct and four other venues in Gauteng and Free State. Balula says Siangoba will be a show of force.
9: We are having Siangoba rally that will take place here at the at Stadium, and then we'll use the other stadium as an overflow should the numbers actually become out of hand because the ANC is a people's movement and there's not been any turning back uh, with regard to that. So we're, we're expecting many, many, many people to come to our Siangova rally, which is our victory countdown.
6: The NC has dismissed polls showing it losing support, saying its own internal polls show them maintaining power.
1: That report by Angela Bulwana. Leaders of South Africa's Democratic Alliance are crisscrossing the country in the countdown to the August 3rd election, urging South Africans to make their cross where it counts. Its leader, Musima Imani again visited the hotly contested Nelson Mandela Bay Metropolitan Municipality after a major blitz there last weekend, while Western Cape Province Premier Helen Zilla campaigned in Zanin in the Limpopo province. Meanwhile, in the city of Durban, the party's mayoral candidate Hanif Hussein gave notice to the current provincial leadership that it must prepare to vacate the city hall after next week. The party is on a final push campaign, preparing for its final pete, petoho or change rally to be held in Soweto on Saturday. Busi Chimombe reports. Dear leader, see my money. Accompanied
11: by Nelson Mandela Bay mayoral candidate Athol Trollope, was on the election trail in the much sought-after metro. He addressed a crowd in front of the Red Location Museum in New Brighton, which has been closed by the three years by the community, protesting over a shortage of houses and demanding bigger size RDPs. My man lamented the poor living conditions of those residing on the doorstep of the globally acclaimed museum. He says the visit is not just about campaigning it's not
10: never been just about let's just go out and campaign it's about reminding south africans that their power isn't always in their vote that on the 3rd of august they can they can vote for change and that change must deliver with it a new hope it must be hope for these people it must be hope for south africans it must be a hope that delivers better services than what we are seeing here today it must be hope that cuts the corruption that we see with projects such as these ones and ensure that ultimately south africans can find work
4: we cannot keep going the same way we've been going We need change, and we need to vote for change on the 3rd of August.
11: Meanwhile, former DA leader and Western Cape Premier Helen Zilla campaigned in Sanin in Limpopo. She says the party is growing at a fast rate throughout the country, dismissing President Jacob Zuma's comments that the DA is for white people.
3: Well, we are very ready for August the 3rd. We've never been more ready. We're pumping, and we're looking forward to the opening of the polls on Wednesday the 3rd of August. The DA, the Blue Party, is growing and growing across the whole of South Africa. The DA is for blue people. And anybody who believes in fairness,
11: justice, fixing the wrongs of the past, building a new future, is a blue person. Dozens of the party supporters gathered at the Durban City Hall for their last rally in the province, hoping to garner support and convince members of the public to vote for the party. The party leadership posted a signed notice of eviction letter on the city hall's doors, directed at the current municipal leaders, stating the DA would be taking over after the election. DA mayoral candidate Hanif Hussein says he is confident of a DA victory in the metro.
5: The Democratic Alliance is building a truly non-racial and united South Africa. We are not dividing people on the basis of race look at the rally that we've had here today, people from all walks of life are getting behind the DA's message of hope and change. Our message to voters out there is that if you want to see real change, if you want to change your circumstances, if you want to increase your chances of getting a job, if you want to increase your chances of getting a decent home, then vote for change on the 3rd of August and vote for a Democratic Alliance government.
11: The party is gearing up for its final push before official campaigning ends this weekend. It will hold its Pitojo, or Change Rally, at Soweto's Dobsonville Stadium on Saturday. It is expecting over 25,000 people to attend. The DA is confident that it will win four of the country's eight metros, saying its internal polls so far show that the party is at its most popular. Briefing the media in Johannesburg was party campaign manager Jonathan Mokes.
4: All polls show that the DA can win in Nelson Mandela Bay, Chwani, Johannesburg, and Cape Town. It is the first time that four metros have been in play for the DA. We are also in the position of being able to win in numerous other municipalities across South Africa, such as in the Eastern Cape, the municipalities of Kocha and Bayes-Nordia, and in the Northern Cape, municipalities such as Namakoi, Rachtersfalt, Intanjeni, uh, and Ubuntu. We are set to make massive inroads in the eastern Cape province as a whole and we are on track to win more votes than ever before in Kharteng.
11: My mind is expected to campaign in Soweto for a massive turnout at Saturday's rally.
1: It's 8.18 Central African Time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Now let's go back in time to Today in 1966, Major General Johnson Thomas Umurakwe Aguiyu Ironsi, head of the Nigerian National Military Government, is ousted when his own troops mutiny. He is replaced as leader by Yakubu Gowen. That was Today in History in the year 1966. (laughs) It's 8.19 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Now South Africa's National Freedom Party has vowed to continue to fight its disqualification from the August 3rd local government election. This morning the Electoral Court will hear a new application from the party after the Independent Electoral Commission disqualified it from taking part in the upcoming election. The party argues that it was sabotaged from within its ranks which led to its candidates not registering by the deadline. To discuss this further, we are now joined on the line by the party's acting national chairperson Beggy Gumbi. Good morning Beggy and welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. Uh,
5: Good morning to you and your listeners.
1: Now, what new evidence is the party bringing to the electoral court and what do you want the court to do?
5: We want the court to reverse the decision of the IEC to include us to the ballot of the, 20, of the 3rd August 2016 local government. Uh, but the new evidence is going to be presented in court for now. I don't think it is appropriate for me to share it with the media.
1: Now, Beggy, this new evidence that you speak of, will it be good enough to change the decision by the IEC and then in terms of that, as uh, the reports say that uh, this was more of an internal issue of uh, sabotage the IEC how did they get involved in such a situation?
5: You see, actually what happened, it was for the first time to, for the IEC to introduce the mix up submission if it was not that the part was going to uh, uh witness or identify the, the, the this problem before it this thing was that's happening between a person appointed by the part and the iec nobody else was on the access of what is going on it's where problems uh, uh, happen that is why we are saying we are going to present that uh, new residence which one believes that they were uh, a dead horse on it somebody has got uh, much interest to us, it looked like it was a very uh, planned thing and well uh, and, and, and well executed. It is true that this thing never happened in any political party in, in, in Africa or South Africa in the case. That is why we believe that the justice uh, is very independent in our land. They are going to view this matter on its merit and decide. On
1: it. What happens if the IEC dismisses the new evidence?
5: Uh, I didn't get your question correctly. I'm sorry about that.
1: All right. What happens if the Electoral Commission dismisses the new evidence that you are going to present to them?
5: We, we are prepared to take the matter further, but we will do it both. Maybe we'll take the matter have to be called and also consult uh, our structures and members to see what to do because it's, this is not a last election. In two and a half years, there is another election. In five years, there will be also another election. But we'll take the fight on and consult uh, our membership uh, but the way forward.
1: Now, Beggy, just ta- the mentioning of taking the fight on and... Uh, if it means going all the way to the concord, that's what uh, the NFP is willing to do. Ballot papers have been printed, and the NFP has been excluded. What happens? Because looking at the time frame from today up until um, Wednesday, the third of is it the third of August? Elections <laughs> will be taking place. What happens <laughs> in the interim?
5: It is very unfortunate that the time is not ours. It is not the fault of the membership of the NFT. It's what we want to prove to everyone that you see, Democrats must also practice. You see, so we feel that failing to pay on time, yes, it's, 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 it's a crime in terms of the election timetable, but it's depriving the right of the people to choose or vote to be part of their choices. It's also a big problem. We must compare the two things. Paying late, yes, we agree, but we feel that evidence will reveal why. But also depriving hundreds of thousands of people who are very innocent, the right of their choice, or the right to vote in part of their choice, is also problematic. That is why we feel that judiciary must see into this matter and decide.
1: Now, Beggy, when is this all going to be happening? When are you presenting to the IEC the new it's ten, evidence?
5: It's ten, it's, ten, it's 10 o'clock today.
1: 10 o'clock today. And uh, yeah, you're so hoping that...
5: that, that okay.
1: Now, Beggy, with regards to the election taking place and the time frame, what are you hoping the IEC will do? Say they decide that the evidence is um, good enough and uh, maybe they would change their decision if they do, what happens thereafter?
5: We are not pushing the postponement of the election. We are pushing the inclusive in the ballot. I think even if they can write us with 10, 5, if they will write us with the name, anything in the ballot and the local, it's what we want. We don't want to say, no, we don't want election, election must propose. No, we are not there for that. All we are there for is to be included in the ballot.
1: Has the NFP done enough with regards to this particular election campaign?
5: The NFP has, support, has got to base. It is true that this thing has shifted our focus at the step that part. At the same time, through you media people consulting us, membership and followers and supporters, they are well aware about what we are, what we are trying to achieve. The sooner. The, the announcement of saying the NFP is going to election and it's done. People, they know the NFP. We are in charge of some municipalities, in that, and such as dumbe and 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 Nongoma and, 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 and Zululand, and other we are co with the ruling party. We have uh, base, we have support. Although maybe it might affect the result, but we will be counted with the support. A uh, 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 political party that has done well in this election. Once they announce that they are they are accepting as part, we are sure of
1: that. Beggy, we look forward to hearing from you with regards to um, your presentation to the IEC of new evidence, and uh, that might, uh, you know. Get you added onto the ballot which the elections are taking place on the 3rd of August and I'm sure you'll give an update to our shows as the day progresses. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. That was the National Freedom Party Acting National Chairperson Beggy Gumbi joining us on the line.
12: We have great news for you. Channel Africa has gone mobile. If you have a cell phone, you can now download the mobile app for Android. You can get it on Google Play. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
0: Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka, Na'o'nai.
1: Let's go back in time to today in 1990, the South African Communist Party, the SACP, which had been unbanned in February 1990, was formally relaunched as a legal organization at a mass rally in Soweto, which was attended by approximately 45,000 people. That That is today in history in the year 1990.
0: Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
6: Africa,
0: rise and shine.
10: I am Hilda Keke in
0: Zambia. This is Simon Mochemwa in Harare, Zimbabwe. Jean Noël Bamwisi, Channel Africa. Kinshasa. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja.
10: This is Moki Kinzeka in Yaoundi. Informing
0: the world about Africa.
3: in Lesotho. And I am Dana Wanyonyi for Channel Africa in Mombasa.
0: Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. <laughs> Africa, rise and shine. Africa zone so Africa um, na
13: Good news for our listeners in America You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605 47 1-7-double-1. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605 47 Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
1: It's 8.30 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Our headlines up next with Han Musa.
2: A very good morning to you. In the headlines, police have arrested the leader of Zimbabwe's war veterans after they accused President Robert Mugabe of Dictatorial Behavior. Japan is to spend 120 million U.S. dollars to strengthen counterterrorism efforts in Africa. And the case against South African twin brothers arrested on terrorism allegations resumes in the Johannesburg Magistrates Court. Those are the stories making headlines.
1: Thank you. And now today in the year 2003, Sierra Leonean rebel leader of Sanko, who had been in UN custody since the year 2000, awaiting trial on charges of mass murder and other crimes, died at a hospital in Freetown after a stroke. That was today in history in the year 2003. According to an international human rights watchdog report, thousands of children in conflict-affected areas have been detained for vague reasons. In countries including Afghanistan, Iraq, Israel, Nigeria, Somalia and Syria, Hundreds of children may be detained at any given time for alleged conflict-related offences. Human Rights Watch says many of these children are detained on the basis of groundless suspicion, flimsy evidence or broad security sweeps. For more on this, Jose Hodingake spoke to Bill Van Asfelt, senior researcher at Human Rights Watch.
14: This report is based on a lot of Human Rights Watch's own work over many years in many different countries where we have not focused exclusively on the issue of children being detained and abused because of allegations that they were participating in terrorism or national security crimes, but where that was a feature of the work that we we found research on ourselves. Some of it is also supported by United Nations reporting, which in some cases is very extensive. One of the cases we looked at in detail was Afghanistan, where United Nations staff uh, did randomized interviews with many hundreds of prisoners. And on that basis, they found that 35% of adults in Afghan prisons had been credibly subjected to torture, and 42% of children right. in those same facilities had credibly been subjected to torture. So it's based on a lot of firsthand as well as supporting research
3: now how old are these children uh, who who are arrested you know by these governments or rebels and so on
14: some of these children are as young as eight and in cases where parents may be arrested for allegedly participating in in, in national security crimes the babies could be arrested along with them there are cases like that of mothers with very young babies where uh, the the family is arrested there was one case in iraq where a child of 10 years old was arrested with his parents, and the security officials interrogated him, forced his head down to the ground underneath a car, and said they were going to run the car over his head unless he confessed to where his parents had stored their weapons. Of course, he he knew nothing about any such activity. He was 10 years old. His father later died in jail, but he and his siblings were kept in jail for three months.
3: And what are they mostly accused of, these children? And are the charges official? I mean, you know, is there a warrant of arrest? What happens here?
14: Well, that's, that's an excellent question because, in fact, one of the problems is that many of these children are never charged with anything. They are thrown in jail, sometimes under indefinite detention, military orders or other laws that allow them to be held for very long periods without even knowing what the charges are. Now, that's one of the things that we want governments to change. We think that they should immediately end the use of detention without charge for children, as well as taking some other steps. It depends on the country, you know, and the context, what the children are suspected of. In the Congo, we met with children who were suspected or alleged as being members of a a pro-Rwandan armed group that was fighting with the government forces. In Israel, security forces detained Palestinian children not because they're really suspected of serious terrorism, but for throwing rocks. And there are between five and 700 Palestinian children prosecuted by Israeli military courts every year or taken into that military system every year. And they suffer consistent ill treatment in detention and, and come out of the experience quite scared. In other cases, it's, it's like the case in Iraq, that children are seen as potentially being a source of pressure. So that their relative, their parent or an older relative, will then come in and give himself up. Or, or maybe the children will be more susceptible to intimidation and torture and will give up information.
3: But then according to the report, it says that uh, the children are often exposed to coercive interrogations and torture as they are being extracted intelligence information. Shouldn't this be taken seriously? Are there no international laws against practices like this against children?
14: There are many international laws, and they're very clear that these sorts of uh, activities against children are absolutely prohibited. Perhaps the, the more obvious problem from the point of view of some of these countries is that it's not just against international law, it's against their own law. I mean, the law in Afghanistan prohibits things like torture, and yet if it's never applied and enforced, then you get this problem of impunity. That's very similar to what we saw in Syria. I mean, there were many terrible stories that we documented in Syria. There was a 14-year-old boy who was arrested at a checkpoint. He was on his way to his own mother's funeral, and the security forces at the checkpoint heard on his phone he was playing a song that was critical of the Assad government. And on that basis, he was thrown in jail, tortured, and later discovered to have been killed of course this is against all sorts of international laws it's a war crime in, in in effect but the other problem is these countries aren't enforcing their own domestic laws and they do so for reasons that really don't make sense if you think about it you know the claim for why we need stronger laws and laws that can even throw children in jail without charge is because we're facing a terrorist threat and we must have very strong tools to counter it but if you think that throwing large numbers of children in jail potentially torturing them, ill-treating them is going to be good for the long-term security of your country, you should think again. There's many studies that indicate not only that children who are thrown in jail are more likely to become criminals when they grow up, but uh, as the Secretary General uh, himself has said, these sorts of practices create communal grievances. It's no longer just about one child and his or her rights. It's about the whole community that they come from feeling alienated and aggrieved, by the law enforcement authorities
1: that have done that to them. It's 8.38 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa on the frequencies 15255kHz on the 19 meter band to far west Africa and 7230kHz on the 41 meter band to southern Africa. That was Bill van Esfeld, Senior Researcher at Human Rights Watch, speaking to Kusiko Dingake. The Malawan government is under pressure to bring back 57 children who were transported to South Africa against their wish. The children who were rescued from alleged human traffickers in the South African town of Rustenburg are being cared for by the Northwest Province Department of Social Department, Free Malawan Nationals, who were transporting the children are in police custody. George Mango reports from Lilongwe.
8: The 57 children, 18 girls and 39 boys survived here on Tuesday this week after South African police in Rustenberg intercepted a truck that was transporting them. The victims are within the range of 11 to 21 years. The children were then taken to a safe place awaiting the repatriation process Malawi is currently handling. Human rights campaigners here in Malawi blame porous laws for this incident. This also comes after a 2014 human rights trafficking report by the US State Department had warned Malawi that the act would continue unless punitive laws were put in place. The report also disclosed that Malawi's borders are used for transiting trafficked victims from the Great Lakes and Horn of Africa regions en route to South Africa. Human rights campaigner Gift Trappings is at pains to explain how the situation is damaging the reputation of Malawi globally.
4: This is an emergency uh, issue, I think, as uh, a country, but as well as a government. I think we really need to uh, walk the talk. Uh, one is by also coming up with the law. I think uh, we know that the government is working on the law, but I think that law need to be effected so that uh, we are able to take the couples to court uh, to face justice but also I think um, our borders are so as uh, we need also coordinated efforts uh, that can be uh, done by the police but as well with the uh, the immigration department uh, and also just to orient uh, Malawians because sometimes also uh, there are some other Malawians who, who are involved in that or who who can assist uh, for human uh, trafficking uh, cases so we need uh, a robust approach in the way how uh, we conduct our business when we are talking about human uh, trafficking i think it's a high time now that we need to uh, have specific action points uh, or We need to to come up with a road map that can really address the issues because this is really an emergency uh, issue. We cannot uh, continue to lose um, Malawians uh, for this progress. Just now, authorities at the Malawi Embassy in South Africa
8: are working on how to send the children back. But the three arrested men, according to the government, are likely to face trial, that's for human trafficking as it is against the laws of this country, like it happens in any other country. President Peter Mutarika has also hinted a number of times that security is of paramount interest. I want to warn you, your days are numbered. We're going to go after you this time uh, to make sure that the security situation is reversed. That I can promise you. It's no longer business as usual, it's a war now. And I ask the police, Use any force you can use within the law. Any force within the law and within good judgment to stop this crime. This cannot go on. Still more, the U.S. report, which accused government of doing to towards human trafficking, disclosed that victims, which have in recent times been identified in Africa and Europe, are given false identities, traveling papers, and are forced into drugs and prostitution.
1: That report by George Mango. An impressive lineup of artists is set for what appears to be a must-attend Standard Bank Joy of Jazz Festival this September in Johannesburg, South Africa. The lineup includes the likes of Alune Wade, a virtuous bassist from Senegal, Jose James, American vocalist and South African trumpeter and composer Faye Faku. The highly anticipated event provides for about 90% jazz and 10% sub-genre of jazz spread over 30 performances on four stages. For more on this event, Channel Africa's Kumutu Mopulane spoke to South African jazz musician Faye Faku.
15: I had an honor to work with South Africa's uh, greatest musicians, you know, like uh, the soul jazz man, the old story I know it's all cliche but it's the truth you know because really the greatest teachers are in the townships there you know and they don't want to be known so that's where I got my foundation to play jazz music and then from there I went to study with Gareth Brubeck in Devon at the University of Natal then like uh, in the 80s late 80s uh, and then uh I stayed in Tebben for quite a long time after I finished my studies, you know, and I was working from Tebben, back and forth to Port Elizabeth. And uh, that is where my career actually blossomed in Tebben. And I had an honor to work with South Africa's uh, greatest musicians, like uh, Tammy Klassin, Pamela Chavane, Winston Mankunku, the late Pet Machigiza. And the list uh, goes on, you know. whilst I was in I started working abroad as well, like in Holland in a exchange program. But I'm still involved in, you know.
3: What do you make of the um, the jazz industry or the jazz genre um, of music um, at this moment? Where
6: would you say it is?
15: I think it's it's, it's quite powerful, you know, at the moment because of the AF institutions. Because of the internet and you know, the people, they get YouTube and, and they can learn a lot of things. You know, you know, and I think it's it's getting to another level. You know, I know somebody. Who's been engaged with a, a lot of young cats that I play with you know they they're doing very well, I think it's getting somewhere.
3: and you will of course uh, this year be part of the lineup of the jazz of jazz um festival. What does that mean for you and your career and and perhaps just uh, you know let us know what um, the audience can expect from your performance
15: yeah to be part of the jazz of jazz like uh, uh, performing as myself, you know like uh, my quintet. Uh, comprised of uh, musicians from Europe, in Switzerland, that I recorded with, you know, it it is a lot because for me, Job jazz is one of the greatest festivals in the world at the moment.
1: And that was Fea Faku, South African jazz musician, speaking to Channel Africa's Khumutu Our economics update up next with Tabisa Lohoku.
13: Thanks, Balungale. South Africa's trade union, Sepawu, has vowed to stop contractors from distributing fuel to retailers as the strike in the sector enters its second day. Fuel retailers have been engaging the services of different companies to assist as a contingency measure while the strike continues. Sepau members down tools after talks between the union and employers are deadlocked. They're demanding a 9% wage increase, while the employer is offering 7%. The union's shop steward, Benjamin Ntwachai.
9: There's only one problem that we have here, is the third party where now we have a contractors in place, which is mainline. They needed to remove our product, but we have asked them, ask them peaceful, that they must leave. This is our job. There's no way we can allow anyone to remove that product as we speak.
13: Meanwhile, some South African motorists are concerned that pumps will run dry as the fuel strike forges ahead. The strike is expected to affect mainly fuel refineries and depots and impact on delivery to filling stations. The union's Clemente Chicha says the strike will continue until their demands are met.
15: The plan today is to continue uh, protesting outside
5: of the workplaces and uh, tomorrow and Sunday it will be the way. People will come to tickets uh, on Monday. The strike will last until our demands are met and already there are indications that employers
13: I want to call. Ghana has lifted the ban on the importation of rice through the land borders. This after a review by the Ministry of Trade and Industry and the Parliamentary Select Committee on Trade and Industry and Tourism. The borders of Elubo, Sampa, and Nkrankwanta. Will be reopened for the importation of rice from the first of next month. Ghana is estimated to import between 200 and 4 million US dollars worth of rice yearly. Chinese companies and banks have agreed to preliminary deals with African counterparts on 17 billion U.S. dollars worth of cooperation in sectors including infrastructure, energy, pharmaceuticals and information technology. Companies and financial institutions assigned signed a letter of intent for 39 cooperation pacts at a China-Africa economic and trade event in Beijing attended by more than 400 delegates. Last year, Chinese President Xi Jinping announced a $60 billion development initiative at a summit in South Africa, saying it would boost agriculture, build roads and ports and railways and cancel some debts. Egypt expects to receive at least $2 billion US billion within two months of agreeing to a three-year $12 billion loan program with the International Monetary Fund. Egypt announced late Tuesday, that it was seeking $4 billion a year over three years from the IMF to help plug a funding gap and restore market stability. The government hopes to finalize the deal when an IMF team begins a two-week visit to Cairo on Saturday. The US dollar trades at 14.20 to the South African Rand at 10.55 pula, 10.07 in Zambia zero seven five British pounds zero nine zero euro gold one thousand three three nine dollars platinum one thousand one four zero dollars per ounce brand crude four three dollars or five zero cents a barrel. This is Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
1: Thank you. So, our sports update up next with Figile Lingwati.
10: In our sports update this hour, the University of Pretoria in conjunction with TalkSport and their high-performance centre bid farewell to the remainder of the 2016 Rio-bound Olympians and Paralympians in Pretoria. Taxport Sport Director Kubas van der Waal addressed taxport Sport officials, families and the media in bidding Bon Voyage to the athletes and the coaches with great anticipation of gold in return. Van der Waal says he is confident of fruitful Olympic Games for both the youngsters and the experienced campaigners.
12: We had a little function today at the University of Pretoria where we said bon voyage to our Olympians going to Rio Olympics. Uh, We wish them well and we are really excited that from the university more than 40 participants and coaches have been included in Team South Africa. The system at the university obviously is conducive to, to helping our athletes to achieve on the highest levels possible. A lot of people work together. It's not only us in the sport department. It is our performance center. It is the academics, the scientists. Even the academics contribute in some way or another so that we can smooth the way for our athletes to eventually go and represent South Africa. The send-off
10: also included Tuck Sport Paralympians Emily Gray, the swimmer, and Sean Anderson, archer, who will also be heading to Rio for the event from the 7th to the 18th of September. Van der Walt says both athletes have experienced hard times in the past couple of years to get to the stages they are on.
12: We're fortunate to have two Paralympians in Team South Africa going to Rio, Sean Anderson in archery and Emily Gray in swimming. Emily has been with us for many, many years. She's already participated in Beijing 2008 through to now. Uh, we expect a lot from her. She's a very dedicated young lady, absolutely focused, and uh, we think that she can do well. And then Sean Anderson is an older person. A couple of years ago, he lost his arm in a motor car accident. He started to do archery, he actually shoes with his mouth. He went through a very, very tough time over the last four years in uh, preparing for the games that was his focus his dream because he was a good sportsman before his, his natural accident he put in a lot and he is breaking South African Africa records all over the place he has qualified well for Rio we hope that he will also come back with uh, a medal in his pocket
10: and Zambian athletes will fly to Rio next Monday to compete at the 2016 Summer Olympics in Rio de Janeiro Brazil from the 5th to the 21st of August this year, with sprinting sensation Gerald Piri headlining the 100-meter race. Zambia National Olympic Committee President Miriam Moyo says her organization will not put pressure on him to bring a medal. Moyo says the ZNOC expects the U.S.-based Piri to make the grade to the 100-meter finals. Moyo explains.
15: He
5: qualified. Well, obviously I mean, he's going to the Olympics for the second time. And uh, we know what time he's running. For us, we would like to see him run in the finals. Mm, And and, and that's what we are highly expecting. And uh, you never know. We can expect anything. But for us, if we see him go into the finals, then um, our vision is like 2020 will get medals. Um, then definitely we, we will be expecting to get a medal out of him. But at the moment, if he went to the finals, and uh, miraculously, you never know. Yeah, that's what we are expecting.
10: Finally, with rugby news, South African rugby side Lions head coach Johan Ackerman confirmed that Captain Warren Whiteley has been ruled out of Saturday's Super Rugby semi-final against the Highlanders at the Emirates Airline Park because of a calf strain.
12: Yeah, we unfortunately, you know, tweaked a calf muscle um, in that one movement where we scored. And, um, you know, so we didn't win the race in time to recover. Um,
13: and we had to, you know, obviously couldn't select him. That's your Sport
10: News this hour.
0: Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Tzorna. So Africa, Amka na unai.
1: Recapping our top stories on Africa, rise and shine at the Sawa. South African parties begin final push to woo voters ahead of municipal election. Concerns over the detention of children in conflict-affected areas and South African police rescue 57 children trafficked from Malawi. That wraps up Africa Rise and Sean today for myself, Lulu Gabu. Producers Pumusurama and Jane Rabotata, technical producer Silen Ndovu, and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info@channelafrica.co.za or tweet us at Ryshine Africa or send an SMS on 277-969-57930. Taking us to the top of the hour for the news on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to southern Africa is Omanji with a song titled Muruti Shumba.
7: Pave, one have